Welcome, welcome back to the QC Hornets Nest, the podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. This is your place to get all the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't and giving you inside access other shows can't. This week, I'm joined by assistant coach Bob Byer. We discuss his job description, what he does for the Hornets, the importance of player development and how it's changed in his 18 years in the league, his favorite NBA memory and how it drives and motivates him here with the Hornets, the burning passion of coach Steve Clifford to bring a winner here to Charlotte, and more. Okay, so you ready? Let's go. Let's get it. Let's try to start with some positive injury news for once for the Hornets, which seems to be a rare, rare occurrence this season. And it really boils down to LaMelo Ball. Um, we spoke to him earlier in the week, and he mentioned um, how he expects to be ready for training camp next season. And if you're a Hornets fan, that's obviously good news because it's the first time we've heard from him since he got injured. You want to just kind of figure out not only where he is mentally in his headspace, but also physically. And he's still in the walking boot. He's using arm crutches, but he's doing other things to kind of make sure he's keeping his, um, you know, cardio and, and rehabilitation going in that regard. So he's off to a positive step there. So if you're a Hornets fan, it's good to actually hear from your star point guard and him tell you not only one that he's going to be ready, barring something, you know, setback over the summer or something like that's going to be ready for training camp, which gives you um, hope. But the second thing is, and I hope that, you know, um, it answered a lot of questions that keep coming up and I have to keep answering. And that was him saying that he loves it here um, in Charlotte and with the Hornets. And barring, again, something crazy happening and both sides not finding a way to get it done, I, I don't expect, I was expecting them to, to, you know, be getting a, a max extension, rookie extension by the deadline. And if it's not a max, it's going to be either something really close to it or, you know, we'll have a stalemate, obviously, and, and something to talk about then. But, um, you know, the mellow ball and the Hornets want to be a partnership going forward here. So um, that's something that he has um, kind of been, I'm sure, privately thinking. Um, but people have been public, you know, some regard um, trying to just say, say he's not going to be around for lack of, way of way, lack of a better way of putting it, that he's going to be going somewhere else, that he's not happy here. Well, again, we can't get into his head specifically, um, but from everything I've gathered over the last months and weeks and even years covering his team is he likes it here. He, he enjoys playing for the Hornets, and nothing has changed in that regard. Obviously, winning is a big part of it. He wants to win. He's not happy about that. When I asked about the playoffs, he said that's definitely the goal next year because he has, they haven't been a playoff team yet. So it's almost like they have to get to the playoffs next season. So um, it's kind of good to kind of at least see that part of the Hornets moving forward and possibly the right direction. And it's going to obviously be a very important offseason to make sure the Hornets put the right team around LaMelo so they can actually come out there and be a legit playoff team like next year and not go through the same old um, – song and dance that they had the last couple of years where they're right on the cusp of actually being a playoff team, but aren't really a playoff team. They have to get to the playoffs next season. LaMelo even said it himself. So um, that was encouraging if you're a Hornets fan. I guess as was the 21-point comeback victory over the Pacers, um, which again was a good thing but a bad thing because obviously it shows the Hornets are still competing and trying to play hard. Because At one point in the game early on, it looked like they weren't, they didn't really care. And 
for them to not only come back and make it a competitive game, but to actually grab the lead a couple of times and even come back and win despite being down, I believe, by seven in the last couple of minutes of the game. You got to go give them some heart in that regard. That's a, a that that's that's a really good thing to kind of show that they haven't quit not only on themselves, but on the fans and the coaching staff and everybody else. So obviously you want to see that, but you also don't want to see them get too many wins because as they look right now, they're essentially four games out of those last three positions that will get you those 14% odds in the NBA draft lottery that will be happening in May in Chicago. And as we know, Victor Wembanyama is the prize out there and, you know, teams will be salivating a chance to, to, to get him. But right now for the Hornets, it's not going to, it appears it's not going to be in those bottom three because they're four games ahead of the, the next team closest to them in terms of wins, which is the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs have 19 going into um, action uh, before the Hornets play the next game. And so the Hornets have nine games remaining. So if you have a four-game gap with nine games remaining, even if you lose all nine, if you're the Hornets, you have to have a three- or four-game losing streak from the Spurs in there. Your only chance to me to possibly get into that bottom three is if the Rockets go on some kind of winning streak and you play the Rockets your, your last home game of the season. And if you are within a, a win or a loss, per se, of the Rockets um, come April 7th in your penultimate game of the season, then maybe things change. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Hornets played out. Um, because if you're me, honestly, right now, I would play a little bit more the younger players, the final, um, again, eight, nine games here, give them some major burn, let them get that experience. And if you win, you win. But we've seen against the Pacers that the Hornets haven't quit. The veterans have come out there and still come out, you know, shown that they want to um, not only play for something, um, but, but again, be professional about their jobs. So reward them now by giving them time off to make sure that their bodies are good going to the offseason, play the younger guys moving forward here, and let's see what you can do if you can potentially slide into that bottom three doing it that way. That's what I would do. We'll see what um, Steve Clifford and the Hornets do moving forward. But the next three weeks here, is going to be um, just uh, something to keep an eye on just in terms of how the Hornets want to play it and finish things out going into what should be, again, a very, very important offseason for them. I'm joined by Bob Byer. Thanks for joining me, Bob. Appreciate it, man. Um, obviously, you're a busy guy. Just give me a little insight to what you do to help this coaching staff do what they do um, to, to get these guys to be able to perform the way you want to perform out in the court. Yeah, so I think we have a really, really good staff with some diverse backgrounds, and we have some really great experience on this staff. And we have a lot of energetic coaches. The one thing that I would say is that Coach Clifford really gives everyone a big part in helping the guys develop and improve. And I always look at it this way. As an assistant coach, what can I do to help the players get better mm -hmm. and to take a lot of, you know, some of the extra work off the head coach? Like, there's certain things I think that 
being in the NBA now 18 years, um, a good assistant will take care of even before uh, it gets to the head coach's desk. So part of my responsibilities is game planning uh, for future opponents. Uh, I'm a kind of a mediator between our performance staff and our coaching staff just to give the coaches injury updates even before our day begins. Uh, we have a great performance staff here led by Joe Sharp, and there's really been good synergy between the two. And then the other thing I like to do, and Coach has kind of given me good responsibility with this throughout the year, is for the low-minute guys or guys that aren't playing as much, is to get them in competitive situations when we can. So we may practice some of the high-minute guys that are coming off that type game. Well, they're not going to do as much in practice as mm -hmm. the low-minute guys. But we've got to keep those guys in rhythm. We've got to keep those guys in shape. So early in the year, when we had like higher numbers, we played a lot of two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four. And basically what we do is, right, we try to emphasize our principles, both offensively and defensively, make it competitive. And my message to the guys is this. You can use that situation to get better and really develop your game. And I think all of those guys have done that. And the other message I sent to him is the NBA is all about change. You may be a low-minute guy today, but that doesn't mean in a week, two weeks, a month, you could be in the playing group. You could be in the starting lineup. It's how you embrace this time now when we're playing our three-on-three, four-on-four that's going to help you down the line. And I will say this, one last thing, is that our guys really embrace that. And if you look like at a guy like J.T. Thor, mm -hmm. Mark Williams, Bryce McGowan, those guys came in with the right attitude, and it really has helped them as their minutes have increased throughout the year. I was going to ask you about that because there's a couple of guys. You mentioned J.T. Thor, you mentioned Bryce, um, but even, as you mentioned, too, Mark Williams and even Kai Jones. Like yes. Those are two guys who, beginning of the year, weren't getting very much playing time. But the last couple of weeks here, last couple of months, they've actually been called upon a little bit more. So how important was that stuff you guys were doing with them early in the year, and even like the last couple of months here to make sure that they're ready for their time right now? I think there's a big, big like carryover. And, you know, you've set up situations on the floor that they're going to see defensively. And, you know, we're a big talk team. And we would stop it and we would coach them. Like if our communication isn't great on a pick and roll or a dribble handoff, you're not helping yourself and you're not helping your teammates. Those guys have embraced it. And you know what? Kai, Mark, and let's throw uh, Nick Richards in there yes. too because there was a stretch where he was coming back from injury on the low-minute chart. All three of those centers really embraced it. It helped them individually, and it's helped our team. You can point to at least one game where all three of those guys at one point or another really helped us win a particular game. And I think the correlation is because they kept themselves ready. They kept themselves in rhythm. They kept themselves engaged of what we need to do as a team. Right. Can you explain the importance of development? I think a lot of times, like um, Cliff mentions, people say development. Well, it's more than just 
on the court. On the court is obviously what we see, but it's also off the floor. It's also, I guess, nutrition. It's also um, weight room stuff. It's also um, doing things to just prepare to be a, a pro. What about that developing these younger players that actually when you guys are trying to get that core together, that they actually will be ready for what you want to do out there? Yeah, so the NBA has changed. I've seen it change throughout my years in this great league that we're in. The one thing I always go back upon is like my first year in the NBA. It was Chris Bosch's rookie year in Toronto. Now, he played, and we made him a starter right away. But we had two veterans. We had Michael Curry and Lamont Murray. And those guys would always grab the younger players that weren't practicing and said, hey, let's play some twos, let's play some threes. So a guy like Roger Mason Jr., the leadership that the veterans gave those younger guys. I just always remembered that. Now, it's changed a little bit Mm -hmm. where player development, so many people focus on the one-on-one time with their individual coach. And don't get me wrong, that's still important. But from a coaching standpoint, especially with the younger guys, you've got to help them learn to watch tape. You've got to help them learn whatever schemes you want to execute. And the best way to do it is through repetition. Mm -hmm. And our guys um, have done that. And I think if you were to go back and kind of self-evaluate, especially the younger guys of where they were at in the beginning of the year and where they're at now, I think they've taken significant steps forward. Um, It's a credit to them putting in the work And it's really a credit to all the coaches of kind of sending the same message to the guys. Now, the other part of it, you're right, like the nutrition and taking care of yourself off the court. That is a big, big part of it as well. And again, our staff, our performance staff, you know, in the weight room uh, has really, really helped as well. Now, we're at a certain level. And as we kind of come into the off season, mm-hmm. it's really going to be a big summer for a lot of the younger guys to continue to develop their bodies physically and to continue to understand, okay, this is our approach. This is our philosophy. We're going to build upon it. Yeah. How important is that these last you know nine plus games you guys have remaining for the younger players to actually keep developing those good habits and go through the off season um, again, going in the right direction, making sure that they actually are improving not only as professionals, but also improving in what you guys want to do here at Hornets. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good question, right? I, th- I think this, and I tell this, I think the older players know it, but I think the younger players don't necessarily place the proper value on it. And my message is this. Every single time you step out on the floor, it's an opportunity to play well. And every time you're out in an NBA game, you know, we as Hornet people are watching. And where are you at today? And the other message I send them is you got to remember in this league, as competitive as it is, 29 other teams are also watching too. So you want to do everything individually to help your career preferably with us, and we're going to have you for the long term, so you can go out there and play well. And by playing well, you're going to open up people's eyes. You're going to say, you know what, Mark Williams, you had a really good last nine games of the year, and that needs to carry over. You have demonstrated to us your value of being a Charlotte Hornet. 
So me, to me, it's all about opportunity and what you do with the opportunity because you're going to get an opportunity to play, take advantage of it. You mentioned 18 years for you in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, what um, is your, I guess, best memory that you can think of that say, uh, you know what, man, like, like that's something I think about either all the time or I never forget that day or a moment in, 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 your, in your life. There's been a lot. No, there's been a lot. There's been some ones that haven't been as good. Sure. The bad ones too, right? Yeah, they come up. And you know what? To me, you learn from every situation. Like as a coach, I told this to myself a long time ago. If I'm not learning, if I'm not growing, if I'm not developing each and every year, it's probably time for me to step aside. But I think the one like... It's really not a specific memory, but it's a year. Like when I was with the Orlando Magic and we got to the NBA Finals and we played against the Lakers and a Kobe-led uh, team, I will never forget that because, you know, a lot of people I think had us predicted either be fourth or fifth uh, in the East. You know, LeBron was dominating in Cleveland, even though he was younger. And when I just remember we beat Boston, we beat Cleveland, we play the Lakers, and to go through that experience and to understand what it is to play for a championship, that's probably my most memorable season in time. I don't really think it's one specific like incident, but I just look at that season collectively and say, man, that was just an unbelievable experience for me. The small town kid that grew up in Leroy, New York, that had a population of 7,500 people. Whoever would have thought I would be an assistant on a team playing for an NBA championship. You mentioned that. Um, how does that experience kind of drive you in your job now to get the Hornets there? Because as you know, the Hornets fans are they're miserable at times because they feel like they haven't gotten what they would have liked to accomplish in terms of playoff teams and whatnot. So to be able to get something like that here, knowing Cliff and, and what he wants to do, like yeah. how much did that drive you guys as a coaching staff? Well, it does. And I remember I was here 10 years ago with, you know, Al Jefferson, Kemble Walker, Gerald Henderson. We had uh, McRoberts, Tolliver, Cody Zeller was in his rookie year. And when we came in, the previous staff had won 21 games. That year, we won 43 and got to the playoffs. And I remember that. Um, we've had some unfortunate circumstances this year where we haven't been able to have our whole team together. But being in this league, as long as I've had the most enjoyable time, the most exciting time, exciting, exciting time is when you're playing in late April and you can go to the playoffs. You know, we have great fans here, right? You know that. Like, we played Indiana the other night. That building was electric. And I mean it. The fans did a great job. We were down by 21 points in that game. We come back. We win the game. And the crowd was a big reason for it. Now, the guys turned it around. They changed their entire approach on the floor. But as we were making our comeback, I mean, the fans really helped push us. And I think as coaches... You want the players to get there, and you want the fans to enjoy um, the playoff atmosphere that the playoffs and only the playoffs can bring. And just last thing is tell me about Cliff. Like, um, as you mentioned him and, and, and how much he wants to, to bring a winner here, um, just just what about him and his passion and trying to turn this thing around? Because you mentioned 
you guys winning before. Like he knows what it's like to win here, and he wants to do that again. So, what's it like being here with him and knowing that he wants to bring that back? Yeah, he absolutely does. And there's not a day that goes by where he's not thinking about that of what we need to do to get to the playoffs. He thinks about it every single day. And I've known him for over 35 years, and I just know his passion for the game. But the other thing that kind of sets him apart is that for an NBA head coach, the details that he puts in every single day to help get us to being a competitive and playoff team. Like he turns over every stone, he communicates on a daily basis with all of our players. And I think the actual environment is set up for success. We've got to catch some breaks, but it's due to his organization, his details, his passion. And I know this, there's not a day that goes by where he's not thinking about, hey, how can we get better today and get so we're playing, you know, into the spring of the year, into April, into May, and hopefully beyond. Well, I know you're a busy guy, Bob, so thanks for some time, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I try to bring you as much inside content with the players and coaching staff as much as I possibly can. And I'm hoping that, you know, once again, that interview also provided the perspective you guys are looking for to kind of figure out what's happening with the Hornets. So once again, many, many thanks to you guys for tuning in to the interviews. I really appreciate that part of the podcast as well. All right, so look ahead here. The Hornets are about to embark on a kind of stretch here where they're going to play four games essentially in you know six days, and three are going to be in a row. They have dates beginning Thursday night in New Orleans, followed by a Friday night date with the Mavericks in Dallas before a day off, and then they come home to host the Mavericks on Sunday before going to Oklahoma City next Tuesday. So kind of a wacky schedule. You would think the NBA would have the Hornets kind of play Oklahoma City on that same road trip playing New Orleans and Dallas, but to come home after a back-to-back, I guess, you know, on the road and then come home for a game and then go back on the road, just it kind of sums up the Hornets' season in terms of the travel schedule. They've had a really wacky schedule going back and forth a lot on the road, it seems. So um, of those games, you know, knowing the Hornets, they, they should lose all four. Technically, logic tells you that. But knowing them, they'll probably get at least two more wins, which, again, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, is a a good thing but a bad thing. We look at kind of trying to to develop, but obviously trying to still get yourself in position to be amongst that bottom three to get Victor Wimbanyama. So we'll see how it shakes out. But the Hornets are going to play three of the next four on the road. And, you know, that one game they're going to play is at home is going to be in Dallas, a, a home matinee on Sunday. And, you know, they can easily go 0-4 through the stretch. So we'll see how they can kind of maybe once again pull out a win or two potentially against New Orleans or maybe Oklahoma City. Um, but those games against Dallas are going to be tough ones, I was, I would think. So we'll see how it all kind of fares and we'll see what the Hornets do kind of coming up here next week. All right, time for this week's random factoid. And it centers around what else? The Hornets backup center which is now the starting center after Mark Williams has been hurt for the last couple of games. And that's Nick Richards. He now has 11 double-doubles going into their two-game road trip against the New Orleans Pelicans and Dallas Mavericks. Again, 11 double-doubles for Nick Richards after posting 14 points and a career-high 17 rebounds 
in that 21-point comeback win over the Pacers on Monday night. So Nick, it's going to be interesting to see with him how he exactly uh, fits into this team's plans moving beyond the season because he may have almost essentially did something like Jalen McDaniels did where he's kind of playing himself into a bigger contract because he's playing larger minutes this season and having a bigger role. So, um, but for him to go out there and get a career high 17 boards, um, including again, 11 defensive rebounds and get his 11th double, double of the season and as of his career shows that he's really progressed and been just about what you, all you can ask for, as a backup center, considering that you hadn't seen much from him the previous couple of seasons coming into this year. So Nick Richards is finishing strong, and um, he's been a really good find for the Hornets this season. And you have to give him credit for working hard behind the scenes and taking the coach's advice and, and turn himself into a pretty good player. Well, so there you have it. Many, many thanks to my guest, Bob Byer. And thank you so very much for joining me for the latest episode of QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out TrellerObserver.com. And for special offer to gain full access to all of my stories and those in the Observer, there's a link in my stories where it says, support my work with a digital subscription. Click it and go to work. So, all right, until next time, we out.